Hello, good morning. Hey, Crystal. Hey, Heidi. Welcome to Making of Her Story and welcome back to those of you that are rejoining us this week for yet another fantastic interview. So Heidi, I'm really excited. Before we get started, I'd love to share with you the new workshop that I will be facilitating starting in November. Yes, please do. So I don't know if you recall, but I was in Minneapolis a few weeks ago getting um, certified on the Wiley Disc and Five Behaviors products. Yes. So I'm really excited because obviously, you know, my business is built upon um, a focus, you know, a focus of stress relief in the workplace. Um, and I'm adding in another level of complexity with that when it comes to using personality profiles like uh, all types or um, disc. And so I've developed a workshop format that is, um, I'm titling it to diffuse work, uh, to, I'm sorry, to diffuse stress at home and in the workplace. And it goes through an actual survey so that you can think about yourself and a partner or a colleague that you may not always see eye to eye with, right? Um, and really deep diving into how to better communicate to alleviate stress. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, it sounds fascinating. And I love the idea of bringing together personal with work because so often they really are intertwined, right? And one can impact the other. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's an endless cycle, right? So if you're not happy at home, you're not necessarily going to be happy at work and vice versa. So they just, yes. oh, they, they sort of overflow. And if you think about it, you know, your typical full-time employee works 40 hours a week. That's more time than you're probably spending with your spouse. So, you know, you should or probably your kids. Do, or your kids, right? So there's a level of balance that you need to have there with with uh, happiness and stress relief and all that good stuff. So, speaking of diffusing stress in the workplace, how's the new huh. job? Yeah, so I think I mentioned that I uh, have rejoined VXI Global Solutions, and after a five month really intensive stint of working as CEO for a company out of Guyana. And um, I, I have learned a lot and you know, maybe we need another episode, Crystal, where we, you know, talk about, you know, personal pivotal moments. But for me, this whole experience has definitely been a pivotal moment. And I am just happy right now to be back at a company that values my contribution and empowers me to be successful. So it's only, I've only been back a month, but already I feel uh, so much healthier emotionally and just on a personal level. So yeah, so it's all good. Excellent. So glad to hear it. So yeah. glad to hear it. So so talking about Guyana, I know. I know. So that's a, a good lead in. Um, we have another amazing guest on with us today. Uh, Valeria McFarren Piper has joined us, and uh, Valeria and I met. Uh, I keynoted a girls in tech and women's entrepreneurship event, which I was so fortunate to have been asked to be a part of and met the movers and shakers of female entrepreneurs in, in the country. And Valeria was on the panel uh, with me. And 
So welcome. You are so amazing. I can't wait to share your story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that was a really interesting opportunity we got to be a part of, right? Especially coming in as, you know, individuals from outside of the country. But I know, I, and I'd love you to touch on this. I know you have a lot of global experience. Uh, so uh, it was definitely up your alley for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a, a neat opportunity, especially of, of um, a, well, I, was, I was born and raised in Bolivia and I moved to the U.S. for college. And um, especially, you know, history books of Bolivia, you always hear about, um, you know, Guyana, Suriname and French Guyana, but um, you don't know much about them. And it was really fascinating to be there because you don't really feel like you are in South America. It does have that um, Caribbean feel and, and just such a unique culture. Um, but then again, it is, you know, the the... The, um, uh, such a key component of the Amazon. And so it's just like such an interesting ecosystem to be a part of and, and especially to be able to share some of uh, the work I've been doing on communications um, as it relates to using data for storytelling. And so it was really neat to meet all these incredible women and um, uh, who are being empowered by, uh, you know, data skills and um, uh, data science, how to tell stories with data visualizations. And so it was really fun um, opportunity to be there. Yeah, we had um, Evie also on one of our episodes, so she had an opportunity, and she's she is really doing such amazing work in the country. It's she's an inspiration. Yeah, definitely. So, talk a little bit more about your um, the data analytics. I, it's interesting to 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 us, of course, because our show is all about storytelling. So I, think that's <laughs> I know she said data and, and storytelling. And I was like, Oh my God, I know in the same <laughs> sentence, right? Because, uh, so I, I don't know. Could you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. And then oh, it, no, hold and on, I, hold on. no, we can't get there yet because oh. I, just, I just need to know a little bit more. So you were, you were born in Bolivia. Yes. You then moved to the U S the States to go to school. Yeah. For college. Yeah. For, for college. And so what was that like? I just need to know um, what that was like for you. It was um, a hard in terms of being away from my family. And at that point, you know, internet wasn't very good and uh, relied a lot on uh, calling cards. And, um, and but it was it was a really neat experience just in terms of uh, personal growth and putting yourself out there. And I was uh, very fortunate that on my dad's side, my uh, dad was also born in and raised in, in Bolivia, but um, he was there. His parents were Methodist missionaries that came from the U.S. And um, a, my grandma um, a, um, was of Austrian descent and her family lived in Connecticut. So it just okay. made it so much easier to have someone, especially where to store your, your things over the summer, right? Just have um, someone that uh, my aunts would bring me cookies. Like it would just... <laughs> Um, little uh, touches of love that made such a difference, especially being in a new country and far away from my uh, family. Well, yeah, that definitely helps. That's amazing. Because I know, you know, it had to have been a huge culture shock and just oh, a little overwhelming, but that definitely eases it in. It's just like, you know, anytime you sort of go to, you know, really anywhere that's not home for you, um, having something a little bit, a little more welcoming or something familiar is definitely helpful. So thank you yeah. for sharing. I'm sorry. I was just, that's just no, that was good. I, I, I'm so glad you asked that. Yeah. It's a huge, you know, I just, I, 
you know, I think about myself and like, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes nervous to go to countries where English isn't the native language because, you know, I mean, I'm just sheltered or scared or naive or whatever the word is. Um, but to, you know, move to a whole other country for school at that age. I moved to New Jersey and I was like, you gotta be kidding. So anyhow, okay. <laughs> but so, admittedly that's culture shock. It, 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 it was from where I grew up, absolutely. <laughs> but still. Um, uh, and it, it, it's interesting as you mentioned, because we were just talking about this with my husband because um, and my parents were always very keen of encouraging travel. And um, it, my, my dad, especially within Bolivia, because his ba ba big thing was, what if you go to another country and um, you see this beautiful mountain and you say this is the most beautiful mountain you've ever seen without knowing that you have the same thing in your own country. So he was very intentional in making sure that we knew Bolivia very well so that when we traveled, we had that base and, and, and could also be very proud of what we had. Um, so I'm extremely grateful for that. But it also piqued my um, always wanting to travel and eagerness to know the world. And so... Um, one of my big first trips was in the fourth grade uh, when I traveled by myself from Bolivia to New York City to stay with my aunt for the summer. And really then um, communications were a lot more limited. You know, we'd maybe talk to my parents once a month. I was definitely homesick. Uh, but now that I have uh, three-year-old twins, I think about that and see my nephews who, when they were fourth grade, I was like, wow, that's really young <laughs> um, to spend <laughs> your kids to a whole other continent on a flight hope that they get there you know there's no cell phones you just have to wait until they call you on a landline when they arrive and um yeah hope everything goes well <laughs> wow i know i i don't know that i could send my kids off like that <laughs> no i know I'm talking to my talk about data and storytelling then too where, where is then tell us where some of the places you visited and and where has left maybe the biggest impact yeah and so uh, I'll, I'll explain how i got to this data and uh storytelling aspect um so when i uh graduated from college i was looking for a job and i've been working um in different positions and i was uh, really seeking something different and i came upon this new government agency which you don't usually come upon there aren't many new government agencies and there was this uh, new one called the millennium challenge corporation um that was using all the lessons learned from international development and really um in making countries really um accountable and it had to pass certain indicators to um, get grants. And so I started there more as a like um, a program manager. And um, because it was a new agency, Congress wanted to see results as soon as possible and not just results. They wanted to see impact. And as you know, impact doesn't just come um, immediately. You need several years. And so, um, a, you know, we had to start learning on how to, you know, what M&E data there was, how to communicate it. And it was this new space that I started delving into that then I uh, created a whole new position just for that, for storytelling and telling results. And combining more of the M&E metrics and the data with the storytelling um, and started a communications college for that uh, that brought and many practitioners and communications practitioners so that they um, could talk to each other because before it was in silos and it was so important that the other knew what data there was so that they could talk about it. And so what's M&E stand for? Sorry, did uh, sorry uh, monitoring and evaluation. Got it. Okay. Because um, at, at, at times, um, maybe you do a, a success story about a farmer whose uh, income had increased 400%. 
but that farmer wasn't representative of the, of the results of the whole project. So if you highlighted him, then Congress would potentially be like, oh, so that's, it's a huge success. Everyone's income has increased 400%. And it's like, no, actually, uh, that shows this. So it was a lot of training and explaining um, uh, these communications practitioners and these monitoring evaluation practitioners the value of working with each other. Um, and that's kind of how this data and storytelling um, a component um, started. Because uh, at, at that point, I was overseeing communications in 24 countries. And um, when I left this government agency and started the company that I uh, now have, uh, Chasky Global, a key component was that, you know, of using uh, data and information to, to tell stories and, um, yeah. Wow. I, I'm like, can I have an example? Definitely. Um, and so one is, is, is the power of context, right? Is, um, and so using data for that. Um, and many times we would be building a road, let's say in Ghana. Um, it was a, a key road uh, that connected farmers to the port. Uh, but in terms of how the technical people were describing it, you know, it's 234 kilometers of a road. And it's then explaining the data of what that road does, right? Where is it, especially for some of the audiences that may not be in Ghana? Uh, what does that um, a road connect you to? And for some people that do not understand, right, what 234 kilometers looks like, um, what, what is that? Is it uh, one soccer field? Is it 17 soccer fields, right? And so it's really thinking of this infographic mentality as well to help tell the story and provide context on these large numbers that we get used to using. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a little like you know underachiever like <laughs> right? oh God, I'm so smart I'm like, right like I'm like God she I listen to her she, you are so incredibly brilliant. <laughs> I am all like you know the emoji with the hard eyes like that is me right now. So <laughs> Valerie just so you know like I worked for so I worked in the tech space for a long time. I still kind of do, I guess. Um, and I always talk about, um, I love the products and the tools that I worked with because they allowed people to see data in a way that was meaningful for them, right? Mm -hmm. Like their data, whatever data it is, whatever industry you're looking at, because it was predominantly business, right? The key executives could visualize then the data that was impacting their business or needs and that sort of thing. So it was telling them a story, right? Yeah. based upon business needs. And I think when you're able to um, craft a story with data and with information that is much more specific and real, it is that much more compelling. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just, that's a fantastic way to have any sort of social climate, any sort of change that you're looking for. So yeah, and that's a key part of you know, using communications for that social impact and social good and incorporating the data component has been uh, really successful. Uh, and it's been neat to, to be able to train and teach people to do it and then um, incite others to, to, to do similar things, you know, and empower women, um, especially on how to incorporate that and, and learn how to use it in their, their daily jobs. And so who are your clients? It really ranges, um, so from small nonprofits to um, a, you know, the U.S. government still a client, um, a, uh, private companies, so it really is a range, and it, it, it depends on, you know, either whether it's like strategy or more branding, storytelling, you know, uh, reports, 
Um, and a key component is also the, the training aspect, which I'm really passionate about. Of, um, I, I love documenting our lessons learned and best practices and sharing those out. Um, and so there's uh, the Young African Leaders Initiative, similar to the Young Latin American Leaders Initiative that Evie was a part of. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so they come uh, here to Charlottesville, where I'm based, and, and I do um, communications trainings on that, whether it's, you know, storytelling, uh, networking, um, and how to brand yourself, um, all sorts of things. And, and so much of that is, is uh, using, you know, it's, it's practical examples of, of what has happened and, and how to incorporate those. Can you talk a little bit more about the African initiative that you're working on? Yeah, the, the Young African Leaders Initiative is um, a really neat initiative that was started by uh, President Obama, similar to the Young Latin America one. Um, he started these initiatives uh, for the different regions and really to empower and train the next generation of leaders. So on the Young African Leaders, they come every summer for six weeks to the U.S. and are placed with different universities. And it ranges between 700 to 1,000 leaders. And um, it, it's really incredible, the, um, you know, these, the, these change makers who are passionate for um, uh, bringing social uh, change in their um, countries and uh, just hearing their stories and, and being able to, to work with them and, and provide them, you know, um, any lessons and, and best practices. And it's been really neat because it's, it's become, uh, you know, these, these lifelong uh, relationships. And the, the program started uh, four years ago, and it's, it's been really neat to see, uh, or five years ago, uh, all these leaders evolve and, and, and really do these incredible things. Mm, that's, that's awesome. It's, that's taking empowerment to the next level. Um, <laughs> but so, okay, we skipped over like a whole lot of stuff. I got I to gotta bring it back in for a second. So... I would talk about your company for as long as I possibly could today, but we didn't really talk about a pivotal moment. Is it like when you had your two twins, when you moved from Bolivia to the U.S.? Was it none of those? Like, what <laughs> Did you have a time that changed your trajectory in life that really stands out when thinking about it? Um, I think the, the, there's two. The um, a one working with the U.S. government, um, just because um, it was it was just a, a big shift, you know, coming from uh, Bolivia and working with this government agency. And at, at at that point, I also was working with Bolivia, but I was working with Bolivia on the U.S. government side. And that was very interesting because it was kind of like a internal like identity crisis of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized that I could do more for Bolivia being on that side than on the other. And that was a very um, interesting uh, transition because it, it validated that that's where I had to be. Um, the second was definitely the uh, having the twins. And it was in an interesting time because um, a uh, we this we were building a house. <laughs> we designed and built our own house, and the day before they were born is when we broke grounds. So, um, oh my word! Perfect building time. a house can be very stressful on its own, and we did that while having kids. <laughs> um, and, and then um, at the same time, having your own business, and we are um, a small team. I had to continue working, so I couldn't take maternity leave. So I was working, um, and, yeah, running the business um, and building the house and learning what it was to be a mom of twins. And so th that was a really uh, 
pivotal moment, especially because right before, the, like a month before the twins were born, uh, I had one of my clients um, who ended uh, our contract uh, because I, I was going to have the twins. Um, and they were probably scared that I wasn't going to be as available despite me saying otherwise. Um, and so that was really hard, uh, especially because it was another woman. Um, and, but um, it's, it's one of those things that when a door closes, another one opens. And I remember that night um, crying in bed. You know, I was like, why did I do this? I should have just stayed with the government. Why did I decide to go and open my own company? I was such an idiot. I would have had like six months of leave. I, I had benefits and all these things. And um, yeah, that night I really didn't sleep. And literally the next morning, a former colleague of where I used to work and um, was like, hey, we're starting this new uh, data project um, and uh, we're looking at communications help. Are you still, do you still have your company? And oh, it, was, it was one of those, like it was, it was an angel, you know, I was like, this is amazing. It validated that, yes, it, I was supposed to continue to be doing this. And, um, and yeah, this was in July. The twins were born July 19th and this contract uh, started August 1st. And it, it's, it's been life changing because this has really taken this uh, data work that I was uh, doing previously to a whole other level. Um, because now with this project uh, that is funded by the uh, President Emergency Plan for HIV and AIDS and the Millennium Challenge Corporation um, it, to, um, you know, Tanzania and Cote d'Ivoire on a really empowering, especially youth on how to use um, data and these skill sets of the future, um, uh, you know, to, to uh, contribute to economic growth. The, the universe works in yeah. such strange and incredible ways, doesn't it? And, you know, her, her loss, I guess, but that sense of betrayal must have been really hard. Yeah, it was it's, it's something that I still really think about, um, you know, because of course in the email, it wasn't like you're pregnant, we no longer want you. Uh, but during the whole process and all our meetings, I, I always wore extra baggy clothes and I didn't know why subconsciously I'd been doing that. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, a month before, uh, she saw me after a hike out, out over the weekend and we had just met on Friday to talk about our, our plans and our schedule for the next couple of months and then she saw me on Sunday was like oh you're pregnant and you're um eh, giving birth soon and I was like yeah but things are still continuing you know we have staff we have all these things like as we talked on Friday everything's moving forward and then Monday 8 a.m we got the email that the contract is done wow and so the only thing that happened between Friday and then is that she saw that I was pregnant <laughs> hmm. that's incredible I just, no, I just like, like you said, you know, when one door closes, another one opens, but going through something like that, I mean, how many women go through things like that all the time? You know, I remember my old boss, she literally was so nervous about losing her job as a sales rep for one of my former companies that she went to um, a client the day before she was due with her baby to make sure that she could get, you know, work done with this client, a contract signed because she didn't want to come back to no job. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, unfortunately, this kind of thing happens all the time. But, you know, I, I, I have a story. It went, so I went into labor two weeks early uh, with my first child, and I was supposed to be having a client meeting. And when after my water broke, I was on the phone coordinating 
everything for that meeting to be sure that everything was taken care of. And then the client literally called me and was angry that I'd gone into labor oh and I wasn't going to be attending this meeting. And it was incredulous to me. I, I, so why do you think, Valeria, I mean, and Crystal, I mean, let's just throw it out to, for discussion, but this is this, you know, concept of kind of mean girl syndrome or, or people, you know, women not lifting other women up. And what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it definitely, it's, it's, it's a thing, right? And then unfortunately, I now hear it so much about in conferences, because it's also a talking point that a lot of men use, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's like, yeah, you guys are just mean to each other. And um, I think it really is an opportunity to, to, to show otherwise. And, 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 you know, like the, 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 the job that I had the, right after, um, she was another woman, right? So um, I tend to think that the a good trumps the exceptions. I, I think that there, there's more of the, the good and the incredible women that are trying to, to help and lift each other up. Um, but because of that experience, and then um, also just with meeting all these incredible women uh, worldwide, um, and Lily West, a um, uh, bus- uh, business partner for this other organization that we started, um, and we, we saw this gap and this need for connecting amazing women and, and uplifting, and uh, started this, this, uh, the She Lab which is um, just that, you know, an opportunity to, um, it creates spaces for women to connect with each other. So we do um, monthly events in Charlottesville uh, with like many TED Talks of sorts with amazing women who share their stories. And um, especially with that whole concept that we need that feeling of ourselves in order to give back. And so many times we, we don't do that, right? We, we um, are giving more than uh, we do for ourselves. And so um, taking that time each month to, you know, connect with others and, and um, get inspired so that then you can continue chugging along and doing all that incredible work. And so um, it's been a fun um, experience to, to launch that and, and, and especially, you know, get reinvigorated by all the incredible women that out there that I think do um, a, a balance more and, and, and are, uh, there's more of that than, than, than those exceptions that I tend to think of. That's something that I was just actually, you know, quietly texting Crystal in the background saying, that is such an amazing program. I'd love to explore how to take that bigger, right, as a tie-in to what we're trying to do with making of her story as well. So I absolutely love that concept. I think it could be really scalable. So maybe we can talk about that offline, um, Valeria, if you're open to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And and, um, yeah, because we see this, the Charlottesville chapter being a first one and then having chapter cities um, across the world. Uh, And yeah, so, so this year has really been the testing the model. And then um, we'd like to really start launching those other chapters in the beginning of uh, 2020. Awesome. So, you know, we're coming to the end of our, our time, but if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, what might that be? Um, A lesson that I've learned with the twins. Um, we always mention how, you know, I've, I've started jotting in all these different things because, um, especially as a parent, you're constantly learning from them and, um, this, um, active listening aspect of, um, practicing it, um, you know, sometimes they're, as they're developing their language in this stage, um, looking at their 
tone and their body language. Uh, and if you're really active listening, you really get to see what they're actually trying to communicate. And that's always really helpful, especially because nowadays with social media, you tend to sometimes, you know, be in this multitasking and not actually seeing what the person may be saying. So that's been really helpful. Um, and, but also as a, I, I, what I've started doing with them is that I ask, ask them um, as they're telling me a story or something, um, if there is something they need me to take care of, if they need advice, or if they want me to just to listen. And it's amazing because the majority of the time, all they want is for me to listen. <laughs> and, um, a, you know, in, in life in general, we sometimes just go directly into giving advice or um, going into solution mode of like, I can take care of this. And it's just been a really good lesson uh, seeing it through their eyes that the majority of the time they just want to be listened to and heard. And um, yeah, putting that into practice for everything that um, I do, both in the personal and business side. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> it's all gold. Like every, this entire podcast is like complete gold. It is. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Val Valeria, thank you so much for your time uh, today. I really am so incredibly inspired. And Crystal, I'm so glad that I could, you know, connect the two of you because I, I feel like you're soul twins or <laughs> oh the follow-up email is like going to be written yeah I mean, we'll like, stay in touch <laughs> this afternoon. so that won't take you know too long and uh you know just keep making the world better and doing what you're doing valeria because you are an incredible inspiration and and uh just an amazing person so thank you thank you and thank you guys for doing this and um yeah doing the same this is incredible and if you know anyone uh, that you'd like to nominate for Making of Her Story, Crystal, why don't you tell everyone where they can find us and what the process is for that? Yeah, you can find us on all social media at Making of Her Story, um, Twitter of Her Story. And feel free, if you want to nominate yourself or someone you know to be on the podcast, we are open to um, you know sharing stories that are going to motivate others. And as we've mentioned on podcast after podcast, everybody else's pivotal moment is traditionally a pivotal moment for someone else. So um, you might think your story is boring, but we don't. And I think having Valeria on today is just another way of like, I would have never met you if it wasn't for Heidi. And the more we can share and bridge the gap and connect and support each other is how we're going to change the world that we're in. So I couldn't be more grateful. And I hope that we have more and more women that want to share their stories. Thank you. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day, ladies. Take care. Bye.